On a scale of 1 to 10, how would you rank your spiritual life this morning? The excitement of it. On a scale of 1 to 10, how would you, like, how would you rate it? Would you rate it a 10 where you say, you know what, I am so excited uh, where God has taken me. I'm so excited where God has been leading me. I'm so excited about the things that God is doing in and through my life. I have put myself in a position of humbleness. I've put myself in a position where God is taking me into areas that I would have never guessed, I would have never dreamed of. And as I truly, implicitly um, sur- surrender myself and follow Him, it, it, it's an exciting adventure. Or would you rank it more like in a five, where you say, mm, it's so-so right now? Or would you rank it a one, where you say, mm, man, I'm bored. You know, I, I'm, really not, I'm really not that excited. In fact, I could list for you some things that keeps me from being excited. And let's be honest, guys. When we start making those lists about our spiritual lives of why we're not excited, right? you know what I'm saying? They're usually external. They're never internal. It can't be us, right? It never can be us. But um, what, where, where would you rank yourself on that, in this sense of, of, of excitement? Are you excited or are you bored? Are you excited or are you bored? And what, you know, what, how does your, your excitometer read? Um, I, you know, I think, of, I think of this whole series that we're in right now, it's about this sense of adventure. And it's about this sense as we get to know God, God invites us in on this adventure. God pursues us. God is, is, is pursuing us. He's inviting us in this, this incredible, intimate, love, uh, uh, love, vibrant relationship with Him. And as we engage in that, something happens. Last week we talked about God speaking to us. And not so much how God speaks to us, but what happens when God does speak to us. How do we receive that message? How do we receive that, you know, the words that Christ has? Do we close ourselves off? Do we, do we kind of like, not really hear God, but we just allow the seeds. You know, remember Jesus talked about the parable and he talked about the seeds and he said, you know, a farmer was out uh, sowing his seeds or broadcasting his seeds. And when he, and when he was uh, putting his seeds out there to plant, some of them fell on the hard ground. And so Jesus was saying our minds and our hearts can become like that at times. Our hearts and our minds can be that way. And so the question, you know, last week as we talked about that, how do we receive the things, uh, the, the God, what God wants to say to us? And if we receive that, and, and, and those seeds fall on fertile soil. They begin to take root. They begin to produce this spiritual fruit with inside of us. And as we begin to truly experience God, He does something. And this is the, what I want to talk to you about today. He invites us in on this adventure, just like Abraham. If you remember that whole story, God comes to Abraham and He He pursues Abraham and He says, "Abraham, I want to have a relationship with you." And by the way, Abraham, this is I got something that I want you to do. I want to show you something. I want to show you a snippet of what's going to take place, Abraham. And so God comes into Abraham's life after Abraham, uh, you know, complies to follow him or agrees to follow him implicitly. And and God says, let me show you something. And he paints this, he he opens up and and God reveals to Abraham this big picture of what's going to happen. Abraham, I'm 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 going to start building a nation. Abraham, I'm going to start building a people uh, to myself. Abraham, I'm essentially going to provide a path of salvation to mankind and you're going to play a role in that. And of course, Abraham was like, whoa, you know, I, don't even have, I don't even have a son. How in the world is this going to happen? But God didn't give Abraham the details. Rarely does God really paint that picture and fill in all the details for us. What God asks us, or what God does, he comes into our lives, he invites us into this relationship, and if we respond to that relationship, he, he reveals his, it, what he's up to, and he says, I want you to play a part in this. 
Every single one of us sitting here this morning, God pursues this relationship with. Every single one of us in here this morning, if we, if we um, uh, agree to that relationship, agree to you know, you know, uh, uh, accepting that relationship and, and, and being a part of that relationship, God says, I've got something for you to do. I've got a role I want you to play. I've got something that I want to show you. And he begins to open up and reveal even more of himself to us. That's how we experience God. We don't just experience God by taking the Bible and just reading about him, although that's part of it. We, we, we cognitively can understand or know somewhat of God that way. But as we take reading the word of God, and we, uh, as God reveals himself through those words, and as God reveals himself in, in the relationship that he has with us, that's when we truly experience God and encounter him. Some of us in here this morning, let's be very honest though. Let's just be honest with one another. Some of us in here this morning are bored to tears with our spiritual lives. It's boring. Let's be honest. It's boring, right? It's boring. And so we, we read certain passages of Scripture that says, you know, like Mark 6, 12, it says, uh, it says that they preached the, the, the apostles after Jesus returned, uh, died, and resurrected. Uh, they preached with joyful urgency that life can be radically different. Is, would that describe your spiritual journey? Would that describe your excitement here this morning that says, you know what, there is this sense of joyfulness to me. There's this joyful urgency that life can be absolutely different. It can be radically different as the message translates it. I love that. I love it by, because those are individuals that, that God got a hold of, that God invited them in this relationship. They responded to that, and God said, okay, here's the big plan. Here's a picture of what's going to happen. And God began to use these individuals, and God began to, 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 to work through them. And these guys went out with this joyful urgency that said, life can be radically different. Does that describe your spiritual life? Or does the whole routine describe your spiritual life? Well, I'm here on Sundays because this is what I'm supposed to do. You know, and so we go through the steps. We go through the emotions. This journey is nothing but excitement or anything but excitement. Paul says this in 1 Corinthians 1.9, God who got you, and again in the message translation, God who got you started in this spiritual adventure. This spiritual adventure, and it shares with us the life of his son and our master, Jesus. It seems as if that God has placed this yearning for adventure with inside of us. It seems as if, now some of us are sitting in here this morning, that may not describe you, but there's a lot of people that it seems as if God has placed this sense of adventure inside of us, and it's like we want more. I want more. I want more. What I'm experiencing now, if this is what spiritual life is about, this is boring, this is draining, I don't like it. I think of it, you know, and, and all of us, I think, if we would be honest, I think all of us enjoy reading those stories where people sell everything they've got and they go pursue an adventure. They go and they conquer a mountain. They go climb Mount Everest or they go do some different things. We've got some individuals in here, and I'm, uh, I didn't ask their permission, but Dan and Chris Hudson. I did not ask you guys permission, so I'm asking now. Is it okay if I talk about you guys for a minute? Go ahead. All right. I find that if you put people on the spot, they'll comply with you more, okay? I was... Uh, had, you know, as I get to know, as I get to know the Hudsons more, you know, I was talking with, uh, um, well, a few, few months ago, whatever it was, a few months ago, Chris uh, takes this, uh, him and his buddy, buys a plane ticket, where, in San Francisco? Is that where it was at? And so they get on their bikes, and they're going to travel across the country, and they got to be in San Francisco or whatever city it was to get on their plane at a certain point in time. That's an adventure. And I'm like, holy cow, that's exciting. And then not too long ago, a few months ago, I was talking to Rose, and she says, yeah, Chris right now is uh, hiking the Appalachian Trail. 
How many of you are familiar with the Appalachian Trail? I grew up in West Virginia, and it cuts through a, a very small section of West Virginia. But the Appalachian Trail is a trail that goes from Maine to Georgia, some 2,000 miles-ish, okay? And there are people, I've hiked certain sections of it, which is not as exciting as what Chris did, but I've hiked certain sections of it, and there's individuals called through-hikers, which is what Chris was. Chris was a through-hiker, which, which he literally took a few months of his life, carried it on his back, and hiked from Georgia to Maine. I hear that, and I'm like, that is so cool. And, 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 and honestly, guys, honestly, in the back of my mind, I'm thinking, I wish I could do that. Instead, I got married. <laughs> I, I got married and I had kids. My wings got clipped. I'm sitting in a cage with a bunch of other people like you sitting in here this morning. Right? And I'm like, and, and, and I hear stories about Chris doing that. And I'm like, go, Chris, go. I'm living vicariously through Chris. I know Chris. I've read books where people do that kind of stuff. And, and even just other things, you know, like hike Everest or they sail around the world or whatever it is. It's like that sense of adventure where it's like, oh, man, I wish I would have done that before I got married. I wish I had done that right out of college. I wish I would have just, I wish I would have done something like that. And just, just, you know, just live in that sense of adventure. And so you live through that. And not not being derogatory by any means, but I want to say the nut doesn't fall far from the tree because Dan, I remember having conversations with Dan in his college days. He was with a, a, a college group that went, uh, literally biked across the states singing at different churches and letting them host him. And they, they traveled across the states, not once, but twice in Europe one time. And I'm like, holy cow, that is so cool. I wish I would have done that kind of stuff. And at some point, I'm just going to be honest with you, at some point, I almost become regretful and like my life is over. That sounds kind of funny. But it's almost as if my adventure was there and I didn't grab a hold of it. And now I'm kind of locked in. And that doesn't mean that I don't enjoy being married or having kids or anything like that. But it's that deep sense of adventure down inside of me that, 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 that it, it, I yearn for something. I yearn to do something like that. You know what I'm saying? But instead, it's like at times for so many of us, and, 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 and again, that's, that's, an, that's a whole other type of adventure. But when it comes to our spiritual adventure, for many of us, our wings have been clipped. And we're bored. We're bored to tears. And this is, I mean, it's like we're going through the motions. We're just going through the motion. And it's like, well, I guess this is all there is. I guess this is the way it's, going, it's supposed to be. This morning I want to share with you that that's not the way it's supposed to be. That's not the adventure that God has promised us. That's not the, the life that God has called us into. And if you're living in that, in that state of life and, you know, there's always, with that, with this, there's, you know, when we talk about God, there's never that sense of we miss the adventure because God, I believe, is always inviting, inviting us into that type of adventure. But if you're sitting here this morning, you're saying, well, that's just the Christian walk now. That's the way a Christian walk is. Guys, you're being deceived. You're being deceived by the enemy. It is anything but, uh, it, it, it's everything, except, I remember as a kid, and we watch the movies, we watch all the movies like Braveheart, Joan of Arc, we watch, you know, The Patriot, all kinds of adventure movies where people stand up for what they believe, the values they believe, and they go off in these adventures, and they slay the dragons, or they rescue the, the damsel in distress, or whatever it is, you know, they, they go off and they do those things. We read the books, we read the articles in the magazines. I remember as a kid, uh, we had, growing up in the church, we had missionary families that would come in, and they were friends of our family 
families. One family called, uh, they would come in and share their story. One family, family, their last names were the Hedges. And they came, and they were, they were like all the other missionaries, I think in the 70s, they were missionaries in Africa. Everybody was in Africa, you know. But anyhow, they would come back from Africa with all their like cool little artifacts and stuff. And they, would t- they were in Burundi, Africa. And they would come back telling all these stories of adventure. And I'm like, that is so cool, you know? It's like they're, they're off living this, this wild sense of adventure, man, you know? And, and, and then I read books like Brushko, if you've read that, a guy by the name of Bruce Olson back in the, I, I think it was maybe the 50s, where he felt this calling by God, where God pursued this relationship with him, and, and Bruce responded to that. And, and so as, as he started living this relationship out, God invited him on this adventure uh, to go into South America, into the tribes, into the very much the interior of of South America to the Amazons and that, and that the Amazon that those places where he would minister to the tribes and learn their language and things like that where cannibalism and all that stuff was practiced and so he went and he told his church and his church said yeah I don't think we don't really believe that God's calling you to do that and so he went to the mission board and they said the same thing and he said you know what I believe that God is calling me to this and so he just packed up everything he had and he left on his own dime and he went down to where he believed God was calling him and he they, to make a long story short over the years they built hospitals they did all these things where he connected with these tribes and I read about that kind of stuff how many of you how many of you ever heard of God's smuggler again back in the 70s remember God's smuggler uh, I remember as a kid we went and heard him I couldn't understand a lick of what he said, man. He was like from Europe or someplace. But what he did, he smuggled Bibles into Russia at that particular point in time or some other communistic country at that point in time, you know, putting his life on the line. And I'm like, wow, that is such an adventure. And then I look around at some of us guys, not just us, but I mean Christians. And it's like, where's the adventure at? Where's the excitement is it, is, it that we, is, it, is it that we're buying into that there are people, that that's what they've been called to do? And so God's called me to be boring. He's gifted me to be really boring. Some of you may think that from my speaking, but, he, you know, he's, he's calling me to be a boring person and just to be, and let my spiritual walk with him be drab. That, that, that is buying in to deception. And let me share with you a couple things. Let me share, you know, um, what I want to share with you today is, is, is what takes place when we really buy into it. The first thing that takes place is our life becomes indescribable by human terms. By human terms, our life, when we, bought, when, we, when, we, when we surrender into this relationship that God is calling us into, it is this incredible adventure, and things begin to happen with inside of us, things that are, that are absolutely indescribable. Listen to what Paul says in Ephesians 3.20. He says, by his mighty power at work within us, God is able to accomplish infinitely more than we would ever dare to ask or hope. When we are living in that sense of, of, of harmony and, and, and unified with God, with Christ, God does these miracles with inside of us. There are things that happen that we just can't explain. The Holy Spirit begins to take over. He leads us into directions that we would never guess or even think of. It's never even on our radar. But God leads us into those areas and equips us to do those things. Some of you are sitting in here this morning where you look back and even last week or two weeks ago or whatever, you can say, you know what, I've got a story. I've got a story where the Holy Spirit, where God led me uh, to to have this conversation or God put me in this position or God did this or God did that. And, And furthermore, my 
my life is an adventure, man. I'm excited about my life. I'm excited about my spiritual walk with God because things are happening inside of me that are absolutely indescribable. And the only way I can describe them is that God's Spirit is working within me and is able to accomplish these things that I would never, ever, ever dare to even think, dream, or ask or even hope for. But God is doing those things. I think of individuals like Peter after, after, uh, and, and the disciples after Jesus died and was resurrected and went back to heaven. Uh, they tell us that the, 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 in Acts, the Bible says that Peter and the disciples were out preaching the message again with this glorious hope, this glorious that your life could be radically different. It tells us that the church brought him in and tried to rein him in and try to figure out what was going on. And they looked at these guys and they looked at them and what did they see? They saw ordinary unschooled men. What was happening? The Holy Spirit was literally taking over their bodies and was literally glorifying, God was glorifying himself through uh, the individuals like Peter and the disciples. I think of Paul, reading later on in Acts, where Paul was so filled with the Holy Spirit that people would come up and literally touch his garments and they would become healed. They would receive physical healing within their lives. I want that. I want that. I want that for our church. I want that. I want our church to be full of people that are on this adventure that's saying, God, use me any way you want to. I want to see people. I want to hear the stories where you guys come back from wherever you're at, the workplaces or wherever, where you said, God showed up. Let me share with you. Let me share with you where God showed up in my life. Wouldn't that be so cool to sit around and have those types of stories on Sundays where we're not talking about routine. We're not talking about people that's just going through the same routine day in, day out, day in, day out. My life is boring. It's horrible. I want to kill myself. It's none of that stuff. It's exciting. It's this, this sense of adventure. Our lives become indescribable when we begin to live out of our God-created identity. Again, I can't say it enough. We just spent time in that uh, the, the, the latter part of last year. We talked about what it means to understand who we are, the way God wired us, the way God shaped us, the way God formed us. And when we understand that and we begin to live out of that in our God-created identity, God begins to do things in and through us that are absolutely indescribable. It's that living in harmony with that. He opens up doors of confidence. He opens up this sense that we can do something not out of our own strengths, or our own reasoning, but we can do something that is eternal, things that participate with Him, things that unite with Him. It's what God wants to do for all of us, is to have that type of... Guys, this isn't some different set of people. This includes every single one of us that has said, God, I want to be a part of this relationship with you. As God pursues us, and we said, I want that. If you're a Christ follower, I'm describing what your life should look like. Okay? It should be this incredible sense of adventure. And I get that we're human, by the way. Let's take the disclaimer, okay? That we're all human and that our spiritual lives are in ebb and flow from time to time. Okay? We're going to take that and set it over here. Okay? I acknowledge that. I understand that. But this, what we're talking about today, should characterize our lives. As Christ followers, we have... The Spirit of God living inside of us and through us. You're telling me our lives shouldn't look different? The second thing is this. We begin to find contentment. Now, whatever you want to put, replace that word with contentment, peace, whatever it is, that's when you truly begin to find this. Is when you live in this sense of harmony with Him. The searching 
the, the, this whole searching that we have, this thirst that we have, this, you know, this, this adventure, this yearning that God has placed inside of us, we, we, it's like we try to fill that, we try to quench that with all these other things. We, we, we think, if I, could just, if I could just obtain to this, or if I could grab this, if I could get my hands on this, if I could do this, if I could do that. You know, and again, we make our lists, and a lot of times they're external, they're never internal. But we just say, if, I could, if, this, if someone could do this, if I could remove these, or if I could do this, that, or the other, my life would be, I, it would be content. No, it won't. It won't. We're told that the Bible teaches us that as we follow him, as he lives inside of us, as we surrender and humble ourselves to him, that's when the searching becomes quenched. That's when our thirst becomes quenched. That's when the excitement and the adventure and the passion becomes found by us. And that's when, you know, and, and a lot of times I think what we do, we tend to think that peace is the absence of excitement or peace is the absence of conflict or having peace or contentment is the absence of trials and tribulations. James tells us that we're always going to experience those things. Living in a fallen world that we're living in right now that's broken, we will always experience those things. But guys, I'm telling you, as a Christ follower, as Jesus Christ is living inside of us through his Holy Spirit, you can find contentment and peace. Listen to what Jesus says in John 16, if you don't believe me. Jesus said, I've told you all this so that in trusting me, you will be unshakable and assured deeply at peace. If you have been restless, if you have been in this sense of trying, you just can't find what you're searching for, stop and reflect. Have some spiritual introspection and spend some time in thoughtful prayer because maybe you're out of sync a little bit. Because when we live in this sense of harmony, this is what we have. We have this sense of our hearts are no longer restless. We're no longer searching for the fake thrills and filling them with things that that can't provide what God can provide. God begins to open up this real adventure with us. Now, let me share with you a couple of adventure killers. These are things that I want to warn you against. By the way, these are things that I shared with you a few months ago. And so they should sound familiar. Hopefully they do. The first one is this. This is the biggest one. Fear. Fear will kill you. Fear will absolutely... It's the oldest thing. It's the oldest ploy by Satan. It is the most oldest weapon that the enemy has. It's the one that we read about all the time. It's the one we're most informed about, essentially. Fear will kill this sense of adventure. Fear is the oldest problem. Adam and Eve had it back when they sinned. They, they started running from God. They started, um, they started hiding from God. And there's a couple things that produce fear with inside of us. And this goes really directly to this whole series that we're talking about. The first one is ignorance. If you remember us talking about these a few months ago, ignorance is a big developer of fear. If you don't know God, if you truly don't know God, if you truly are not experiencing God, I'm not talking about just reading about him and cognitively understanding him. I'm talking about where you understand God, but it is embodied within your life where you're truly experiencing him. If you're not doing that, ignorance comes in because you don't really know who God is. You really don't know what God is like. And when you don't know what God is really like, you can be afraid. You, you, there's times where we're afraid of him. However, if you knew the way God, if you truly knew God and knew how he always interacts with you, it would drive all fear out. By the way, isn't there a verse that says something like that? Perfect love drives out all fear. What's perfect love? Who's perfect love? God. As I shared with you in the past couple talks, God cannot act any other way than who He is. God is what? God is, the Bible describes God as love. 
God is love. It doesn't say God, it doesn't say God is loving, although he is, but he's acting out of his character. Does that make sense? God is love. That's his essence. God is love. God can't act towards you in any way but love. I got it. I know what you're thinking. Oh, hang on a second. What about the Old Testament? What about the times where God's wrath just completely spills out and all this other stuff? May I suggest that the reason why God can be so angry at times and jealous at times and things like that is because He loves us so much that He wants us to experience Him that by the very absence of us experiencing Him, it drives Him crazy? Does that make sense? You don't, it's hard for us to understand because we, we, we can't, it's, that's almost impossible for us to love that way. Where we love somebody so much that I'm going to become angry with you because you're not, well, I guess we do kind of sometimes. We, 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 we respond to them through, through, through anger. It's not that God is, 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 is wrathful in that sense. What I'm, what, I'm, what I'm trying to say is this. God loves us so much. He wants us to experience Him so much. He wants Him to be a part of who He is so much that the very absence, absence of that can, provo- can provoke His wrath. And, it, and essentially, I believe what it is, it's decisions. It's decisions that we make outside of that. It's not God coming to us and acting out of us, out of wrath. It's where we have stepped out. It's where we uh, step out at times and we experience that side of God. But it's, it's always in the concept of, of a bringing us back and bringing us back into the sense of love. If we are ignorant to God and we don't know who God really is it can kill this sense of adventure within us and produce this fear. The second one is idolatry. We spent a lot of time on this at the first of the year. Idolatry is when you make anything more important than God in your life. This week, God revealed to me that I have another idol in my life. I couldn't believe it. I mean, it was just like, not that, I, not that I'm perfect or anything like that, but what he revealed to me was my idol was like, are you serious? And now I see it, and I'm like, holy cow, that's exactly what I'm doing. I'm looking to this over here to provide what only God can do. I'm looking at this over here, and the absence of this producing what I think it should produce is killing me. It's crippling me. And God's saying, duh. (laughs) But yet I'm like trying to feed the monkey, trying to feed the monkey, trying to feed the monkey, and it's not producing. And I'm like, what's going on? I've got an idol. And God's saying, you're, you've made this an idol. It can be something good. That's the kicker of the whole thing. It doesn't have to be some voodoo thing in your backyard or some, icon, some evil thing. It can be something very good that you look at it and you're looking into that and you're, and you're wanting to receive something that, from that that only God can provide. That's what an idol is. Guys, if we have idols in our lives, adventure killers... Absolute adventure killers that produces fear. This, the last one is this insecurity. Insecurity, really, people who try to control, people that are typically very high controlling are very insecure people because we're trying to manage everything around us. We're afraid something's not going to go right. We're afraid that if, that if I just if I don't really attend to this, it might not go the way I think it should. And so we become we become very we're, we're not we're, we're not trusting. We're very insecure in that sense. Highly controlling people are actually just revealing this sense of high secure this high level of insecurity. And when we feel uh, secure, it, it means we don't have to control everybody's. Or if you're feeling secure, it means you don't have to control everybody's reaction. 
But a lot of times we, get, we worry because we're trying to control everything and manage everything. The answer to all this is exactly, again, what I'm telling you about with this whole series of experiencing God. Of God more than a three-letter word. Of encountering Him, experiencing Him. Listen to what Psalm 145 says. The Lord is good to everyone and His compassion is literally intertwined in everything He does. If you have been in church a few times, and the next verse I'm going to read to you, you've probably heard before, Jeremiah 29, 11, God says this, For I know the plans I have for you. I know the plans that I have for you. He goes on to say they are plans for good and not for evil, to give you a future and a hope. Now, that's not a name it, claim it religion. That's not a prosperity message. That's a message of basing my life and building my life on the foundation of a promise. That God is a God of love, that God loves, he may not give me everything I want, which we're going to talk about here in a couple of minutes. He may not give me everything that I want, but God is going to, God can only respond to me out of his character of love. He, I, I am, my best interest is at his heart, at the very center of who he is. He has these, God says, I know the plans that I have for you. They're not of evil, but they're, but they're plans that I want to give you for your future, the good uh, uh, future and hope. So fear is the first one. Fear is the first one that kills it. And, and those three things intertwine and build fear. The, the second one is this, sinfulness. Sinfulness is absolutely the, the, it's the sense of pride. And sinfulness is simply saying this. Sinfulness is saying, sin is saying, I want what I want. That's what sin is. Sin is saying, I want what I want when I want it, and I want to be God. Yeah, God, I get it. I get that you think, I get that you, you know, you may know, you may, you know, know what's best for me. But let me tell you something, God, I know what I want. And I want what I want, and I want it now. That's sin. That's pride. That's when we're saying, God, why don't you let me take the reins of my life right now? Because you you're, you're really don't know what you're doing so much. I want to be God. I think sometimes God may look at us and we kind of just... We're kind of laying on the ground like little kids kicking and screaming, saying, I want what I want. It may be bad for my life, but I want what I want, and I want it now. Listen to what James says. James says, what, what causes quarrels and what causes fights among you? Is it not this? That your passions are at war within you. He goes on to say, you desire and you don't have, so you murder. We could replace that word murder with anything. You desire something, you're not getting it. You're going to go to whatever extent you need to, to get what you want. Man, doesn't that play out in our lives? Unfortunately, we just saw this here in this community, literally. Someone that was living out of their sinfulness, out of their free will, and either wanting something they didn't get or whatever it is, and they went to this extent. Sin in its finest form pride, selfishness. I want what I want, and if I can't get what I want, I will do whatever it takes to get what I want. If it hurts you, if it hurts anybody around me, I don't care. It's about me. That's pride. That's sin. And James says you will do whatever you have to get what you want. You covet and you cannot obtain, so what do you do? You fight. You quarrel. You bicker. You do not have because you do not ask. You ask and you do not receive because you ask wrongly to spend it on your passions. You want an adventure killer, buy into fear and buy into sin. Those two things 
will clip your wings and defeat you and put you in a sense of stalemate every single time. Paul says this in Romans 6.13. He says, don't surrender any part of yourselves to sin to be used for wicked purposes. Instead, give yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life and surrender your whole being to him to be used for righteous purposes. Let me ask you a question again. What's your excitometer say about your spiritual life today? Where are you at? Have you responded to this 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 invitation of, a, of, a, of an intimate, vibrant relationship with the creator of this world, the one that absolutely knows you inside and out, the one that knows you every little detail of your life and that wants to give you the adventure of a lifetime? Have you responded to that? Are you trying to control that? Or are you living in that? Again, some of you may be sitting in here this morning and you, it's, you're on a 10. You're on a 10. I mean, you're excited, man. You, you've, you've, you're living in a sense of humility and surrender and contriteness and God has your life and God's taking you into areas that, you, that are absolutely indescribable that you would say, you know what? I never had that on my radar whatsoever. I would have never thought of that. I can't imagine how all this stuff outside of God, how all these things just lined up to come to this culmination. And I was right there at that time participate. you know, God using me in a very profound way. Some of you are there. I want to ask you, I want to ask something of you. I would ask that you would spend some time right now in prayer for others that may not be there. Because just as you're there, and we have some people there, we've got other people that's in the fives and the ones. that they're saying, man, my life, It's an adventure, but it's not a good adventure. It's out of control. And I would ask that you would pray for those individuals because I believe the Holy Spirit's here this morning and he's wanting to connect, not just, I mean, he's wanting to connect everyone because I believe God's always wanting to take every single one of us deeper and deeper and deeper, you know, revealing himself to us. So I pray that you would just spend some time in prayer. Guys, if you're sitting here this morning and your life's a wreck, your your adventure, your excitometer is like a negative one or in the negative the Spirit's connecting with you. <laughs> the, the call of God is going out just as strong today as it ever has, saying, come back, come back. Would you, as we close with a couple songs, would you respond the way the Spirit wants you to respond? If you want to come forward and pray, we'd love to pray with you. I'd ask some of the elders to come and pray, uh, including uh, Pastor Ron and myself. But, but however, however the Spirit leads you, would you please just respond? God wants you to encounter Him in a very intimate way this morning. Leaving here with your excitometer going crazy. Would you do that as we close with a couple songs? Pray with me, God. We thank you for this time that we can spend in your presence. And God, we know that you're a God that pursues us. And, and, and as you do, and as we are invited into this relationship, and as we respond to that, you, out of your godness, you reveal to us this this, this, this thing that you're doing, this, this, this whole thing of reconciling lost souls to you, and, 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 and you invite us in to play a part of that. God, that excites us so much. And I pray, God, that, you know, that we would respond to that adventure. And God, for those sitting in here this morning where they uh, may not be excited, God, we know that if they are part of this relationship with you, that you will not let them go. And I pray, God, that you would 
defeat the enemy within their lives. I pray that you would, um, that you, God, that you would chase the enemy from, from allowing them to buy into uh, a sense of deception, knowing or, where their adventure has been crushed. God, I pray that you would lift them up. I pray that you would encourage them. I pray that you would restore their excite, the, the, how excited they are to be on this adventure. God, just breathe into them life this morning. Allow them to leave encouraged, knowing that you're a God of love and that you will never, ever let go of them. And God, for those that are on the journey, they're on this adventure, I pray that you would continue to strengthen them, guard them from the enemy as well. Let us go out into our world and turn it upside down for you. And we ask all this and pray all this through the powerful name of your Son, Jesus Christ. Amen.